All right, welcome back to the big program. 903 in Edmonton and fired up to have the Schlemdog millionaire, David Schlemko, join us in studio as he does every Wednesday from 9 to 11. David Schlemko, of course, powered by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. Check out cougarcollision.com. Morning, Schlemmer. Good morning, Kev. How are we doing? Ah, second best day of my life. <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're the only guy I can say that to anymore. But So, uh, watched the Oilers game last night. It was... Again, you know, 40 minutes and everyone's going, well, you know, you're, you're having one of these games and fortunately enough, fortunately enough, it's Columbus and you have the ability because of your goaltender to, to have a good third period and, and keep the streak going here. Yes, sir. Hell of a game, Stuart Skinner, hey? Oh, man. Kept him in it. That's uh, definitely not the recipe. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not the recipe. As we said, it, it's, uh, it wasn't a Jackson Pollock. No, no, there's not too many teams in the NHL you can play one good period and, mm-hmm. and get away with it. But, uh, you know, they did it. And like I said, kudos to Stuart Skinner. They they had no business being in that game through 40 minutes. What do you think gets said in the second intermission? Wakey, wakey. Yeah. I don't know. Find a heartbeat. I mean, it's, it's a classic trap game, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a Columbus team that's just kind of... Just well, they're whole hum. They're, they're a bunch. Of, they're a bunch of guys. You know, you're you just signed Corey Perry. There's a little bit of a, a distraction off the ice. Guys are looking ahead to All Star break. That comes in play a little bit. The, the signing. I mean, it's a little bit of a distraction. Everyone not. Maybe it might, might not be the right word, but it's just... You're, just that you're, you're looking ahead already, yeah. right? Everyone's looking ahead to Saturday when Perry gets in, and then you're and, looking ahead to the All-Star yeah. break after that. And, you know, it, it's easy to get ahead of yourselves and look beyond Columbus, I think. so. I, and I, I think they weren't ready to play last night. No. They were <laughs> very loosey-goosey. You've seen it a few times. Outskated, outcompeted, yeah. everything. So, I mean, Jake, you, you got to give them credit. They, they rebounded in the third. They had a good period, and... They found a way to win. Found a way to win, and that's all that matters. Again, 14 wins in a row now. Even though that's impressive, the 12 games in a row allowing two goals or less might even be more impressive in the sense that how you're winning these games. As For this opposed- group? Yeah. 100%. Compared to the past, yeah. I mean, that's been the only knock on this team for how many years now is they can fill the net, but can they keep it out of their net? and? Well, I mean, like I said, a lot of credit goes to Stuart Skinner, especially last night. But um, overall, it's that's a sign of good things. Hopefully mm-hmm. they can keep it going. Kevin Carries, David Schlemko, Sports 1440. Text line 1833-401-1440. A lot of, I, and again, now I, I sort of threw you under the bus. Sorry, Schlemmer. On the way <laughs> in here, you were saying, hey, why am I getting uh, you know put into this little circle of ineptitude when it comes to... I guess old IMAX computers and all that. So I apologize. I have to. Ap- right. I apologize. I guess. Are you up to date on all this stuff, like the Duke is, or? Well, what? I mean, I just I did throw up in my mouth a little bit when I heard that on the way in here, <laughs> talking about my phone. I mean, I I keep note my notes on my phone, so maybe that's the generational gap. You, you got your your pad and paper there. I keep mine on my phone, so I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Me fiddling around on my phone here, but well, Kevin could keep them on his phone, but he'd have to have the font so big that he'd only he had to scroll down, could only read one word at a time with the font that size. I like my little pad. Here. <laughs> I've yeah, always I, been a pad guy. I never ripped on it until now. Yeah, and it's all just purely self-defense too. So. 
Um, Jordan says a text coming in, one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. 401 Oilers have to understand all these teams want to break the streak. It's extra motivation, so you can't overlook any opposition. And that's, that's very true. That's a great true. point. You're going to get true. everybody's best game, right? Yeah, right now. And again, now you got Chicago coming in here uh, tomorrow and then Nashville on Saturday. When you were playing at this point of the season, and you, did you guys never had an extended all-star break like this, did you? I did, like, yeah. My last two or three years, okay. we had the week break. I think you had it seven days either before or after the All-Star break. Including. Yeah. So I think the orders are 10, I think, here. Yeah, that's nice. So, And then the games are just, I mean, they're playing. They have games in hand on everyone. All right. So uh, where were your favorite All-Star break destinations? What did you guys do? Oh, uh, 2014 Olympic break went to Maui. Oh, that, that wow, was wow, uh, wow. for like seven nights. That was probably the best break I had. Uh, I went to Disney World one year when I was playing out east in New Jersey. You always go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now the kid, the kids are so little they don't remember being anywhere. So yeah. it seems kind of useless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last night's game, uh, Evander Kane had the game-winning goal. I was. Not surprised, but just when I, you know, kind of heard the stat and read about it, that they've got 10 guys, 10 different guys that have the game-winning goal in this 14-game winning streak. So what's that tell you about the lineup? That tells you that's a great recipe to win, right? You need depth scoring. You need secondary scoring. Um, It's great to see Vander get on the board. I thought he had a good game last night. I think that's going to be his natural spot in the lineup. We'll be on the wing there with mm-hmm. uh, with Dry Settle and Fogel. I think they need McLeod at center on mm-hmm. the third line. So just for balance, yeah, just for balance. I, I think he's a natural centerman too. It's he's able to use his speed and keep his feet moving. Less stops and starts. I think uh, with him in the middle. So, what did you make of? Uh, and we talked about it even last week. Corey Perry possibilities and things like that. But then he gets signed on Monday. What did you make of that? Love it. Yep. Love this signing. Um, I think anyone in the hockey world would know this is a good signing. You see, I've read a bunch of stuff about how he's going to be a cancer, and you know, this full story hasn't come out. I guarantee you, not one guy in that Oilers room cares what really happened in mm-hmm. Chicago. You know, yeah. you're going to get a guy with a winning pedigree. He's been there. He's won at every level. He's going to be great in the room. He's going to be sticking up for his teammates. Uh, he's exactly what they need. Well, the Duke has come through with one of his uh, top-notch in-or-out questions. Uh, we'll get to that, I guess, at 9.40. Uh, I don't want to give anything away, but it's that's what you call a teaser in the business, Duke. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks <laughs> for the tip. <laughs> um, but, I mean, there's some... When you think about where he slots in here, okay, everyone's saying, I think you're going to probably bring him along a little slowly because he's been off for a while, so he could slot in on the fourth line. But he has the ability to move up. Any concern uh, of foot speed with him uh, right now? Uh, Not so much foot speed as just conditioning, I think, at the start. I mean, I know he's been skating on his own since December, but... uh, the conditioning will be the biggest thing mm-hmm. to get him back into going in a game here. Foot speed, uh, he's never been the fleetest of foot anyways. I don't think he's going to be burning anyone wide. So he's going to do most of his work down low below the goal line and in the paint anyways. Yeah. Text coming in, one 1440 Here's one from Steve in Drumheller. Uh, hello, Ask Schlem. What could have been said or done 
to the Oilers' defense that takes them from almost junior B caliber uh, <laughs> at the start of the season when everything was, you know, there were holes and, you know, you talked about systems and things like that, to this caliber. It's unreal. No way it's just a coach or the coach saying play better, LOL. Yeah. I think it's a combination of two things. I think one thing, half of it is that, is having Paul Coffey in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Hall of Fame legend defenseman, known for making plays. Their D are making a lot more plays. They're making a lot more tape-to-tape passes. And the second part is what you mentioned. I think it's the system. I think it's the the coaching change. I think when they tried to change the D zone at the start of this year, there's too much hesitation, not closing quick enough, too much time and space. Uh, too much of players being unsure from one another who is doing what and what job entails to each player. Yeah, a lot, a lot of like hesitating out there, you know, mm-hmm. not just jump into the other thing that i see and i think this is probably number one maybe you disagree but it's the coaching staff and paul instilling and this goes to all the players instilling the the and it's such a it's so hard to say because when you look at this the success this team had last year in the playoffs and yeah they didn't win the round they wanted to against vegas and and things like that and then the start of the year where they feel that they are you know, one of the top teams, and everyone says that too, but they had no confidence, lost all their belief, lost all their confidence, no no belief system within one another, with each other, with themselves, and that was what was, in my mind, instilled into them and built back up because it, it didn't just happen once these guys got here. Oh, you're right. As, yeah. They almost had to hit, like, rock bottom. And there were times <laughs> we, we didn't know what, what rock bottom was. And maybe it was the, the loss in San Jose, if that was rock bottom. I mean, yeah. the coaching staff under the other regime had another game in Seattle, which they won. That had to be rock bottom. I would think so. All right. And then you kind of, from there, you can have the mentality of, like, it's us against the world now. Nobody even believes we're going to make playoffs anymore. Mm-hmm. Pressure's off. Coach is fired. Let's go play. See yes. what happens. Uh, we're going to have Dane and Hughes guest with us after the break. Schlemmer, did you watch any NFL from the last weekend? And you I didn't ever even. Are, are you? Do you have a team? Are you? Uh, I don't really have a team yeah. per se. No, but I watch it. Yeah. So big game. So it's Kansas City in Baltimore. Baltimore's favorite. Duke will get the line and everything. I know. I know you're betting on Baltimore. I know you are, Duke. That's correct. Yes, I know. I know you are. <laughs> but, but I am not taking the favorite in the uh, other game. You're going to go Detroit. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm in on the Lions. And the Niners showed me some chinks in the armor last week that I think the yeah. Lions are a team capable of exploiting. Mm-hmm. Mainly running the ball. We've had a lot of texts with Hockey Canada. We touched on this, and we know all these players. We're not going to mention any names, okay? We know all these players have taken personal leaves we there's three of them that have taken one in europe two over here we all know everyone knows their names everyone knows what's happening we're going to wait to see how things unfold here uh with hockey canada and what happened with all the news today uh from the globe and mail request head etc etc but it's a it's a it's a a fluid situation and we have to kind of we're going to wait and see everyone knows who their names are we, you've texted in a hundred times to us who their names are. Uh, we're just going to leave it at that because you know who they are. Uh, when we come back, Dane and Hughes, Kansas City Chiefs analyst, and we'll also have our ski. Are we going to have the ski report, Duke? Oh, 
Is uh, Donovan the intern on it? I think we're oh, going to get man. the debut of Donovan the intern this on the ski report. This could be scary. Very scary. See, it'll be great. Very be great, scary. It'll, it'll be tough for him. He's going to have to sit here and record it during the commercial break with uh, yours and Schlemmer's oh, eyes. Yeah. Oh, well, it's it's going to be heckle city, man. over the top of the monitor, yeah. Adam. So the pressure's on, baby. <laughs> That's coming up uh, after the break uh, on the Kevin Carey Show with David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. 9.20 in Edmonton. Kevin Carey, David Schlemko. Are you fired up for the NFL games this weekend, Schlemmer? Yeah. Big playoff games. Like, do you, Would you like to see Detroit? Like, I think a lot of people would I'd like lo- love, I'd love to, see. to see the Lions win. I would. Yeah. I'm also a big Patrick Mahomes fan. I love watching him play. I think that's going to be a great game. Mahomes versus Lamar. Anytime, anytime that you have... I, I almost like to see. I'd like to see Mahomes have a sniff at Brady's records for Super Bowls. Yeah, you know. I mean, he's well on his way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, Sunday's game will be our game of the day, brought to you by Saint Albert Dodge. Uh, they have 165 Ram 1500s all dressed up and waiting for you with an incredible 20% off MSRP. That's a savings up to $14,000. As We welcome in Danon Hughes, a Kansas City Chiefs analyst to the program. Danon, you're with Kevin Carries and David Schlemko, former NHLer. Uh, welcome to Sports 1440. Thanks for coming on today. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, we're really... an exciting weekend here oh, in country. It, it really is. So uh, when you look at this game and what Kansas City has really been able to do, having, I guess, Buffalo's number in the playoffs, and we saw it last week in the big victory over the Bills, how can Kansas City continue that momentum into the big AFC championship game against Baltimore? Well, I mean, it's definitely a tough task. Uh, We've become spoiled around here in Chiefs Kingdom because of the success over these last five-plus years with Patrick Mahomes at the helm and Andy Reid leading this group. Uh, Like, we expect Super Bowls. We expect Super Bowl appearances. And the Baltimore Ravens, as good a team as they are, as great a team as they are, they are the next in line. And we have to believe that's the case. I mean, from... From a team perspective, the goal doesn't change just because you have to go on the road. Uh, We did that, accomplished it last week, and I don't think this organization feels like just because it's the first uh, road playoff game that Patrick Mahomes has won, that uh, that was it. Like, that's the goal for the year. That's not the case. So we know it's going to be a hostile environment. Patrick knows how, how rabid those Ravens fans are and how tough blue-collar team they are, and uh, we just have to be ready for the challenge. So uh, it's not anything different than we've had to, to deal with during this stretch, whether it was Tom Brady with the Patriots or Joe Burrow with the Bengals or Josh Allen, as you mentioned, with the Bills. Uh, we've had to go through gauntlets at different times mm-hmm. to get to the promised land, and uh, this is definitely going to be a strong gauntlet. Daniel, what can you say about this, you know, exceptional, incredible run that the Chiefs have been on in the playoffs? Uh, you know, six straight AFC championship game. That's the second longest uh, streak in NFL history and seeking, the, you know, their fourth Super Bowl appearance in five years. Uh, what's been, I guess, the magic potion behind this kind of success? Yeah, I don't know if there's a magic potion. I will tell you it's strange because I – 
Uh, prior to Andy Reid coming here and the Chiefs beating the Houston Texans several years ago, I want to say it was 2016, when we beat the Texans in the playoffs, that was the first playoff win that we had had since my rookie year, 93-94 season. So we had gone a long time, uh, 25 years, I believe it was, uh, between wins in the playoffs. There's a generation of Chiefs fans that think this is normal. <laughs> like, they think that this stretch is normal and that they expect it. Well, you know, I'm here to tell you from personal experience, it's not. So we, although we have the goal in mind, we do savor this time, this stretch, because we know how, how dismal it was for a long time. Um, but as far as this team, I mean, it's just a worker's uh, mentality. They've struck gold on draft picks, which I think kind of makes us different than a lot of teams where there's a lot of teams that have had to build up their team for, to try to get to a championship based on spending a lot of money on free agents. We haven't had to do that. Brett Veach and Andy Reid have done an outstanding job. I'd say one of the top, if not the top in the NFL in regards to evaluating young talent coming out of college and then some low-priced or mid-priced free agents to fill in some gaps. So uh, all of that put together has put us where we've been during this stretch, and uh, we're hoping it doesn't end this week. So, Dane, and I got to think Patrick Mahomes is a big part of that potion, um, as deep as they are as a football team. Um, I mean, he's already well on his way, but what more, in your opinion, does he have to do to kind of become part of that greatest of all time convo with uh, Tom Brady? Yeah, I mean, I think right now, if you look at Patrick Mahomes and his resume and what he's been able to accomplish, um, slaying some of the dragons, slaying some of the big-name quarterbacks that he has en route to this amazing run, probably beating the Ravens and, and beating the MVP and Lamar Jackson, what everybody expects to be the MVP of the NFL, beating him on his home field. Like, there's not that many boxes to check right. for Patrick Mahomes in regards to his stellar career. Uh, you know, he'll always be spoken in the same vein uh, as Tom Brady, but Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls, mm -hmm. and right. we'll just be going to our fourth, hopefully winning three. So there's still a lot of football left in Patrick Mahomes and hopefully more championships left in him. Uh, but you and I, we've been around this game a long time. There's been some greats. Uh, I think of Drew Brees and, and uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers. And, I mean, you can go through the list of great quarterbacks that just got one Super Bowl. Uh, never mind having to fight for a possible fourth. So uh, this is special. Patrick Mahomes is not just an ordinary part of this team. He, he is the leader, uh, and he lives for these moments, and you could tell that by how he clashed head-to-head -head with Josh Allen last week. Kansas City Chiefs analyst Danon Hughes is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show with co-host David Schlemko on Sports 1440. And our Game of the Day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge. It's the Chiefs and the Ravens AFC Championship on Sunday. Danon, we all kind of know the roster makeup and what happened losing Tyreek Hill. And, you know, Rashid Rice has come in and had a very fine rookie season. But do you think that things kind of went to another level with Kansas City's offense with how Isaiah Pacheco played in the backfield? Uh, it, well, it definitely has, but I would tell you that last year 
uh, it's kind of been just kind of an, an add-on from last year, an addendum from last year. Isaiah Pacheco really – he didn't really burst on the scene last year, if you remember. Seventh-round mm-hmm. pick out of Rutgers, hard-nosed, blue-collar kid, huge chip on his shoulder in a positive way. But it took him a while to get going. We saw glimpses of it early in the season, and although there were a lot of Chiefs fans – wondering, okay, well, when are we going to let this stallion go? When are we going to give him the ball and let him uh, be the main focus in the backfield? And really, that didn't come until later in the season, probably the fourth quarter of the season and definitely into the playoffs where you started to see the emergence of Isaiah Pacheco. He scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl, um, did an outstanding job in the road to the Super Bowl, clutch runs which is exactly what we're seeing now, whether it was against the Miami Dolphins a couple of weeks ago or this past week against the Buffalo Bills where he had 95 yards on the ground. Uh, the fact remains is the best player on the field for us is Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and I, I feel like Andy Reid probably has a tough dilemma in deciding how many times he wants to run the ball because, as you guys know, every time we run the ball, the best player doesn't have the ball. That's Patrick. And so you have to balance that to some respect. And I feel like what we've done in the playoffs this year has been a really strong balance between the run game and pass game. And Isaiah Pacheco doing a nice job of being a compliment to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that one-two punch with Travis Kelsey, what he's been able to do, especially last week against the Bills, it makes it tough, tough for any defense. And the Ravens have a very strong defense, number one in the league in so many categories. Uh, but I feel like our offense, we've been up to this challenge before, and hopefully they can step up this time. Uh, Dan, and you talked about uh, Patrick Mahomes having the ball in his hand. He's the most dangerous. Now, on the other side of the ball, having Lamar Jackson with the ball in his hand running is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the Chiefs' game plan to kind of contain him? <laughs> Hopefully there's a whole bunch of red helmets around <laughs> Lamar Jackson when he's running. Like, like I, I'd even say maybe bring one extra guy off the sideline if you need to. Like, get 12 <laughs> helmets on him if we need to. Whatever it takes. But Lamar Jackson has been a phenomenal talent. Obviously, he still carries that chip on his shoulder with all the, the critics and the pundits and the so-called experts saying that he's a running back and should have switched a receiver or running back, et cetera. And he has something to prove. This is his second MVP campaign. Uh, the first one didn't go well for him in the postseason. Uh, and in, I'm sure in the Ravens locker room, based on the DNA of that organization, which is tough, hard-nosed football, uh, they're looking at it like this is his opportunity to, to show the world, going head-to-head against Patrick Mahomes, that – He's the better quarterback. And that's going to that's gonna be tough for people to digest no matter how this game unfolds. But I'm sure in his mind, that's what he's thinking. And we have to be ready for it. Willie Gay Jr. Uh, was injured last week. Uh, he, played, he didn't play in the game, but he suited up, thought he could battle through a neck injury. And he was not able to. He was the linebacker that would have been mirroring Josh Allen on the run plays and spying him on pass plays. He wasn't able to go, so we had to make some adjustments defensively, and we were pretty solid. The first half, not so well, but the second half, holding Josh Allen down and that offense only seven points was stellar. And it's going to be a team effort. I mean, Lamar Jackson's kind of like the Michael Jordan. He's He's going to get his. You just hope that 
you're able to contain him because you're not going to be able just to stop him. Chiefs analyst Danon Hughes, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Danon, what would it say for a Steve Spagnola defense to one week drop a successful game plan to, you know, have a have a successful game and a victory over Josh Allen and the Bills and then to replicate that against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? What would that say about a Steve Spagnola defense? Well, it wouldn't say much different to us here in the Chiefs kingdom because we know how special Stags has been since he's came on the scene. But I'd say to the NFL world, it would announce him as the top defensive coordinator in the game and has been in several years. To consider what he's elevated this defense to, I mean, let's face it, we've talked this entire conversation about Patrick Mahomes, a little bit about Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco, but the story this entire season for the Kansas City Chiefs has been the dominant defense. Who would have thought coming into the season after winning a Super Bowl and Patrick Mahomes being the MVP of the game and the MVP of the, the, the league last year that the overwhelming story of the season for this Chiefs team has been the defense and how well this defense has played. Uh, Chris Jones sitting out for the one game, holding out the entire training camp and then stepping right in and not missing a step, the emergence of Justin Reed, uh, Drew Tranquil coming over as a free agent uh, when much needed at the linebacker position when Nick Bolton went down early in the season. And then the youngsters, Trent McDuffie could be the MVP of this defense uh, or LeJarrius Sneed, two of the more physical corners that you will see in the game. Uh, Spaz has done an outstanding job not just evaluating talent, but putting those guys in positions to be successful and also putting them in positions to to affect quarterbacks' psyche. And that's what we've seen all season. So hopefully we can get in the head of Lamar Jackson, make him make some bad decisions, maybe be be a little flippant with the ball, and uh, we can flip the field and put some pressure on the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danon Hughes with us on Sports 1440. Danon, before you played for the Chiefs uh, from 93 to 98, you went to the University of Iowa where you were a two-sport star. What was it like kind of handling and juggling everything while you were playing football and baseball at Iowa? And uh, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was an amazing experience going up to Iowa City. I'm born and raised. Uh, in New Jersey, five minutes from New York City. So it was a little bit of a culture shock (laughs) going out to the cornfield of Iowa. But but it was was the best decision of my life. I knew that I needed to get away, kind of become a man, uh, be on my own, and figure out life and maturity at the same time. And uh, people always ask me about the difficulty of playing multiple sports in college. And to be honest, it wasn't that difficult for me mainly because it's something that I've done since I was six years old. I played baseball, basketball, football. Uh, I obviously knew how to be a student uh, and juggle all of those sports. So getting to college was just like another extension of high school where I'm juggling sports and not having a whole bunch of free time, but playing two sports that I love. And baseball is actually my favorite sport. It's number one. It's always been number one. Uh, I still get a chance to to uh, keep my foot in the clubhouse, so to speak, because I do college baseball for ESPN and the Big Ten Network, so I do a lot of broadcasts for college baseball. But uh, it was a great experience, and it was the perfect place for me 
there's not a negative thing I could say about my experience at the University of Iowa. Uh, we had great, great sports teams. We went to the Rose Bowl. Uh, we won the Big Ten in baseball, went to the NCAA regionals. Um, we just had a lot of success. And the biggest takeaway that I had from that time is I still have great relationships. Like I literally go on vacation two or three times a year hmm. with 15 to 20 of my Iowa teammates. Wow. Um, we've been at each other's weddings. We've been at, at each other's births with our kids and, and so on. So not just the experience in the late 80s, early 90s was special, but the relationships since have been incredible. Yeah, That's awesome, Dan. Um, well, we still got you here. I got to ask you. I'm sure you guys are sick of talking about this, but uh, from a player's maybe insider perspective, the whole Taylor Swift situation. <laughs> is this a advantage, distraction, irrelevant? What is it? I was going to be very disappointed if we didn't tackle Taylor Swift <laughs> in this conversation. Yeah. I would have put money on it that it would have been one of the first couple of questions. But, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not been – to me, it's not been a distraction. Like, I look at the game – uh, differently now than I did maybe playing where distractions don't really factor in as long as the play on the field stays top shelf like yeah. everything else like you guys know from a player's perspective you're constantly dealing with mm-hmm. family and tickets and travel and hotels and and all of the different things that come with uh, being a pro athlete and having family and friends that are in tow Taylor yeah. Swift like she's, I mean, she's not a distraction to me. I know there's a lot of people that watch the broadcast. I don't get a chance to watch the broadcast because I'm in the booth. So maybe I would feel differently if I watched the broadcast. But like, I don't see it as a distraction. Travis Kelsey has handled it in an amazing way. I mean, to think about the global superstar that Taylor Swift is and the fact that we're still playing in the AFC Championship Travis is still playing top-shelf football. He's still an all-pro. Yeah. He scored two touchdowns last week. Like, what better what better scenario could you have when you have a superstar dating uh, a global star? So it, it's, not, it's not been that big a deal for me, but I know there's some fans out there that, you know, don't necessarily like the cut-ins to the sweep. <laughs> every other play or however yeah. often they do it during the game. Are, are we going to see, Danian, are we going to see Jason Kelsey hop out of that sweet tarpless again this week? <laughs> I, I feel like he sets the tone. Like, I, I don't know if he can go backwards to, to wear, like, he can't go in there wearing a shirt and tie. Like, no. He's got to be in, like, sweatpants and, and a hoodie or something, and it's got to come off in, in Baltimore. Now, I don't think it's going to be as cold. In in Baltimore, but um, yeah, I mean he set he set the foundation. Now you can't go backwards. That intensity was on display in Buffalo, so I'm looking forward to seeing that in Baltimore. He he just needs a, one beer in one hand and then a, a big plate of a Pinty's chicken wings in the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna do it for sure. But it, it, I mean that's a cool story too mm-hmm. for your brother to be ousted in what probably is going to be his last year in the league after losing to the younger brother in the Super Bowl and then to come out there and cheer him on. Like, like I cheer my kids on. Uh, you know, I'm sure my family has cheered me on, but I don't know if anybody's ever 
gone to that level of support. Yeah. And I think it's one of the really cool stories in the NFL. Hey, Dan, and thanks so much for your time uh, this morning. Enjoy the game on Sunday. All eyes will be on it uh, up here. Uh, thanks for hopping on today. Appreciate you guys having me. Go Chiefs. Yeah. Dayton Hughes, Kansas City Chiefs analyst. Uh, and our game of the day, it's uh, the AFC Championship, Kansas City in Baltimore Sunday. And then the NFC Championship, uh, San Francisco hosting the Detroit Lions. Game of the day brought to you by St. Albert Dodge with an industry-leading 4.6. Google review rating. Head up the trail to St. Albert Dodge and see how easy it is to do business with the great people at St. Albert Dodge. Duke, before we get to the ski report, did you know that the Knob Quad Chair will open today at Marmot Basin? All righty. Well, uh, our ski report from our resort yes. rats, uh, Steve, came in about in just under an hour ago, I guess, Probably, or so. Did they have? So uh, it, they, in the report, Donovan recorded, did a great job. We're going to hear in a second. It said the, the Knob Quad Chair was yeah. not yet open, but obviously with uh, this morning's conditions, they have... Uh, going to make his debut. Yeah. That's exciting it news. Said, Specs, yeah. Better tech spec. Well, yeah, Marmon Basin <laughs> announced it 30 minutes ago. Here it is. The moment we've been waiting for, the knob quad chair will open today. So, Schlemmer, you can right get on. up there. Nice weekend for skiing. Get up there, eh? Yeah. All right, time now for the ski report brought to you by, well, we'll get to that's later, actually, but uh, here is the lovely and talented Donovan, the intern. This is the Sports 1440 Ski Report. This is your ski report for Wednesday, January 24th. Brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. Mild temperatures and fresh snow are making for improved skiing and riding conditions throughout Alberta and BC. At Marmot Basin in Jasper, they've had 3 centimeters of snow overnight and 20 centimeters in the last 9 days. Still not enough snow to open the new knob quad chair at the top of Marmot, but recent fresh snow should help that situation along. In Banff, Lake Louise has no new snow overnight, but 16 centimeters in the last seven days. Sunshine saw one centimeter overnight with five centimeters in the last seven days, and Norquay got five centimeters in the last week as well. Kicking Horse received three centimeters overnight and 19 centimeters in the last week. Revelstoke has seen snow with three centimeters in the last 24 hours and 16 centimeters in the last two days. Nikiska has 16 centimeters in the last week but nothing new overnight down south both castle mountain and fernie are getting snow up to 20 centimeters in the last day at fernie but the mild temperatures are turning it to rain at the lower elevations a bit further west panorama and kimberly are being spared from the rain but no significant snowfall to report in the last few days edmonton and area ski hills are open and operating including snow valley edmonton ski club rabbit hill sunridge and just to the north of the city, Tawatina, near Westlock. Overall, great temperatures for skiing and snowboarding right now, and the snow conditions are pretty good. That was your Snow Valley Ski Report for Wednesday, January 24th. <laughs> we're going to do are you in or are you out, and the Duke is put in about three trap questions again for myself and Schlemmer. So uh, uh, we're probably going to go a little past our, our 10 o'clock time, allotted time for in or out, because I'm sure there's going to be some uh, interesting conversation here. But now, time. dialogue. Hey, what do you, what's that? A little bit of dialogue. I think there could be. But again, trap questions by the Duke. Uh, time now for are you in or are you out?
we had some great times. We're about to have some more. I know that look. And put it together a team. Then I'm in. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Are you in or are you out? On Sports 1440. I'm out. All right, Duke. Let's let him rip. Evander Kane, two points on the score sheet last night. Keeping it nice and simple following our chat with Robbie Shrimp this morning. Uh, former teammate of Corey Perry's. Give a little insight about what he can provide for this team, both on the ice and in the locker room. I'm saying with the addition of Corey Perry, no oiler will benefit more than the aforementioned mm. Evander Kane. Go ahead, Kev. Okay, I'm going to be, I'm out on this one, Duke. I, I don't have a, I have a bad feeling today. There's going to be a lot of outs to agree with the Duke today. I don't know. I just, it's one of those days where a lot of texts have been coming in and everyone's on edge around here. So I'm going to go, I'm out on this one because I'm going to go, it's going to be Dylan Holloway. And I'll say Dylan Holloway will be that guy where he benefits more from Corey Perry's addition. Evander Kane, I could... It's a possibility, yes, but I'm going to go with Dylan Holloway for the major reason that I think Dylan Holloway will see more ice and more playing time with Corey Perry. I think if Evander Kane stays where he is with Leon Dreisettle, that means Warren Fogel's got to come out of there, and that means Corey Perry would have to move all the way up to two right wing. Yeah. So I'm going to just say I think that – and Dylan Holloway, he's got the ability with the speed, and if Corey Perry gets under the skin of everybody, can kind of take the take a little heat off of Holloway, still finding his way, learning his way. So I'm going to go, I'm out on this one, because I'm going to say it's Dylan Holloway, Duke. I like it, Kev. That's a, that's a great point. Uh, I'm also out on this one. I think, uh, I think Evander Kane is going to stay where he is as well. And I think uh, Ryan McLeod is going to benefit okay. most. Um, I, I like Holloway as well. I, I see those three being a line. But um, with McLeod's speed and his skill set and how much he ha- is able to hang on to the puck kind of out on the perimeter, I think it's going to be huge for him to have a guy like Corey Perry with his skill set in around the net. Hmm. And Duke, you still you think Kane is going to be? I, I, I think you can pick pretty much anybody from kind of that middle six okay. collection, uh, and we'll see where he, where yeah. Corey Perry does kind of play uh, the majority of his time. Because I think you mentioned it earlier, Kev. I think he will kind of shift up and down the lineup on a you know maybe week to week type basis, depending on need and fit. But the the Kane thing, I think, because the way the Oilers lineup is currently built, Evander Kane takes a lot of the responsibility of being the pest. Uh, doing the dirty work, the grease work, whether it be taking shots in front of the net okay. and stuff. So I think that Evander Kane can get back to maybe folks like, because we all know he can score from distance, but right now he is tasked a lot more with being in the dirty areas. Maybe Corey Perry can take some of that off of his plate mm-hmm. uh, and whatnot. But, and, and I don't know. And, and same thing goes if Perry plays some of the second power play unit, um, he'll probably take over that net front role and uh, maybe shift some people elsewhere. But I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with either of your guys' choices uh, mm-hmm. as well. Both great options. Corey Perry's former team, the Anaheim Ducks, uh, one of their most touted prospects, Olin Zellweger, making his debut last night, two-time WHL Defenseman of the Year, formerly with Everett and Kamloops. I'm saying that no team over the past 15 years has done a better job drafting and developing years. defensemen than Oof. the Anaheim Ducks. And you have a big list here, 15 don't you? 15 years, that's a long time. <laughs> 20, so. Starting with 2010. 
So Gee, 2010. You're going to tell me I'm wrong here then, probably. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say out. Uh, the one organization that jumps out to me right away when I think of D-Man over that period of time is Nashville. I think of mm-hmm. Weber, Suter, Ham Hughes, Yossi, Ryan Ellis. Well, that, most, that's, most of those guys before pre, 2010. Most of those guys predate that. Oh, see again. So I, like, I, think, I think Nashville was the, like, the D-Man factory, and I kind of think Anaheim has taken over that. Okay. Mantle. No, and like even not as much so in the last couple of years. A couple of big names coming out, which I'll uh, I'll list them all off for you in a second. But I'm basically sure through the, the start of the twenty <laughs> to twenty ten decade, okay. it's like it's okay. a it's a master class of players. Okay, so uh, you're going back quite a ways, and I was uh, just kind of too far. I no, you're going back yeah. really far. Okay. You're going back to twenty ten. I was sort of looking at current roster, which again, oh, currently the team stinks. <laughs> well, I mean, you had. You just drafted and developed a player and then you just traded him yeah. to Philadelphia. Yeah. Right? Correct. So I thought you're including him in there. 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got, yeah, you must have 15 MD. defensemen here on your list. Lindholm's on there, Theodore, Fowler. So I'm just going to, for sake of argument and just going back, you know, a number of years here, a handful of years, maybe eight years, nine years, I'll go the New York Islanders. That's a good one. Okay. A respectable choice. Uh, just to, so I don't have to agree with you, Duke. <laughs> but they have Noah Dobson, who is probably, if you were doing Norris Trophy voting right now, he's number three. I think yep. that's a safe. Would be on my ballot, I think. Yeah, yeah. he's a safe bet behind Makar and behind Quinn Hughes. Yep. But you've also got Adam Pellick, who was uh, drafted. He's 29 years old now. You also have uh, a couple of guys, uh, Sebastian Ajo, Sammy Bolduc. Uh, that are Ryan Pollock. Yeah, uh, and Ryan Pollock. That was my next one. But Devon Taves. Yeah, yep. Taves. You so you have a, a, an argument. Pretty here. good Arsenal. But I'm waiting to hear this list. And look at the Duke. He's got <laughs> it up on his phone. I I, oh, I, ro- I was gonna try and do it for memory, but for the sake of uh, supporting my own argument, I didn't want to miss any. So okay. Cam Fowler, Josh Manson, Hampus Lindholm, Brandon Montour, Marcus Pedersen, Josh Mahura, and then to current players that are either on in or around uh, the league so in the organization of the Ducks Jackson Lacombe Henry Thrun with the San Jose Sharks Jamie Drysdale Olin Zellweger Pavel Menchikov last year's Quebec Defenseman of the Year Tristan Luno uh, Noah Warren on this year's World Junior Team and Tyson Hines also mm. on this year's World Junior Team seeing you got all these guys on the list what did uh, what was the Thrun trade what was that one there well he, he wasn't going to sign with okay. the Ducks so he traded him for a third round pick I believe to the okay. Sharks yeah huh there you go. All right, Duke, you win. Brandon Montour, <laughs> cast aside, went to Buffalo. Not much success there. 70-plus points with the Panthers last year. Anytime. He was good in yeah. Anaheim, oh my. Too. Oh, he was, yeah. But yeah. It, they just like, And it was so funny because they made all these decisions that ended up with Theodore going out the door, and then none of the guys that they ended up, like that they decided to keep in fate over him are, no, are with the team <laughs> except for Cam Fowler anymore, mm-hmm. so. Too bad. Okay, I mean, Duke has a valid argument here. Yep. Very good, Duke. I just wondered if it would not be the team you cheer for if you would have been able to do this kind of research. Well, good news. the good news is in today's day and age, Kevin, this internet, this computer in front oh, of us, yeah, all this, infor- this information is very accessible. All I had to do is type in uh, Anaheim Ducks draft history, and HockeyDB.com has them year by year, every selection they've made. So mm-hmm. pretty easy to piece my way back through it, and you can do the same with, with any team. 
I, I'm going to check this out. <laughs> Kev, Kevin's going to come back. Out. Kevin's coming back tomorrow to absolutely just put me in the grave uh, <laughs> with my with my choice. Uh, moving over to the uh, NBA, we're going to chat. Well, hopefully, with the, the news coming down here uh, just in this last hour, uh, might be put into question. But the Milwaukee Bucks did fire Adrian Griffin yesterday, mm. looking like Doc Rivers is going to be taking over. Uh, Griffin just in his first season as head coach this coming after they fired uh, Mike Budenholzer who had won the NBA championship I believe is the most winning coach in franchise history uh, percentage wise anyway Uh, and and you can look at it from the NHL the NFL the NBA you name it pro sports teams are way too impatient with their coaching decisions and I'm saying it both with the firing and the the hiring. They don't do enough diligence okay. before making the hire that then results in them firing people too quickly. I, I can go first if you want, Schlemmer. I, sure. I am in on this, Duke, and I can even I, I think you can take it a step further. Think about NFL quarterbacks. Think about uh, you know goaltenders. There isn't enough patience with a lot of players. It goes all the way up to management, go to coaching. It seems NHL coaches now uh, and even you can say in other leagues as well, they're a losing streak away from being gone. There isn't that patience to show uh, we can get through this. We saw it here. I mean, Ken Holland's quote when Jay Woodcroft was fired, I don't know if I could wait around two weeks to see if we could turn it around. That's 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 an indictment to where you are as a manager or as a, an owner or whatever moving forward with your direction and your personnel, and this goes right to the NBA. And I'll, uh, even though we, we we're talking about this off the top, Duke, too, Milwaukee came into this year as probably the number one or number two favorite to win the NBA title. They're still a pretty good darn team, but in the mind of the Bucks here, they don't believe that Griffin is the guy that can lead them to that title. All right. So I'm going to go. You're I'm in. still going to say I'm in on it. Yeah. Uh, I hate agreeing with you every time, right. Kevin. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm in on this one, a hundred percent. The coach is always the first one to go. Unfortunately, uh, it's just a little bit easier than digging in and trying to replace someone on your team, even though you know usually it's it's on the players. But uh, mm-hmm. I know one coach I had that I played for for a long time, Dave Tippett, used to say, uh, you know, after a tough loss, you know, we're we're not in the business of good efforts and trying hard we're, we're in the winning business here so uh if you're not winning you're always on the hot seat yeah all right uh Ilya samsonov expected to make a second straight start for the toronto maple leafs tonight after what was a very good showing on sunday just 17 saves but only one goal allowed i'm saying that uh, this resurgence by samsonov should give oilers fans at least a glimmer of hope <laughs> that jack campbell is not completely cooked and buried in the nhl that's a nice daydream, Duke. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm out on this one 100%. Sorry. Uh, I don't think it's the same situation at all. I think if the Leafs had a Stu Skinner to lean on, I don't think we'd even be talking about Samsonov at all. Uh, fact is, they have Martin Jones to lean on right now, so uh, that he's kind of their only hope to you know, get him back and kick in, uh, in good shape and hope that he can be the guy that leads them. Because um, unless they make a trade, they don't really have a better option. 
You know, I, I'm going to agree with you. I'm, I'm, I'm in the same thought process. I'm just wondering how, how many minutes TSN is going to give to Samsonov playing today <laughs> it was on, so, on a game day. It was so Never. funny that you because you hadn't seen the questions yet when you brought no. that up, but I'd already had this oh. one typed out. And so when you were going off on that, I was like, oh, wait, we're going to get a little Samsonov talking on our show like, too. <laughs> I don't know if you heard. I was off the top. It was yesterday. I got home, Schlemmer, and I thought, oh, I'll throw on TSN. And, you know, Oilers are on chance for 14 wins in a row. First 13 minutes of the show was on Samsonov getting the start that following day. On Overdrive? No, on the TSN show with on Rod Sports, Smith. Sports Center. Yeah, on Sports Center. Thirteen, yeah. And then... so Leafs Nation, baby. Yeah, well, exactly. So anyway, I'll, I'll, I'm in on this one too. I, I think that it's a different scenario and because, you know, Martin Jones is... He's just been kind of he's been plugging holes in the boat there. Oh yeah, and he's he just, did the same thing in Seattle he, last exactly. year. Exactly. So he's that kind of guy. Uh, he's not the long term solution there. No. So uh, if Samsonov can, who knows if he's turned it around? Maybe it's good for the the Leafs to move forward to to get to that next stage. But I'm still on in the same same thought process. I'm not a hundred percent sure that the Leafs are have solidified themselves as a playoff team. Yeah, I, I don't think they're a lock yet. Alrighty, and last one for us here, moving away from the world of sports. This day in 2006, Disney announces its purchase of Pixar for $7.4 billion. Billion. The six films that Pixar released prior to this agreement, which in fairness, Disney was in on some of them. They'd been working together for a number of years prior to the official purchase, but I'm going to list them out for you. (laughs) Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, and The Incredibles. Those six are the best in the entirety of Pixar's catalog. Is there a chance that you could see a couple of I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll run off. I'll run off some more here for you, just in case you don't have them all memorized. Yeah, I, I don't. It just seemed to be just escaping me right now. Cars, Ratatouille, okay. Wally, Up, Toy Story 3, Cars 2, Brave, Monsters University, Inside Out, The Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory, Cars 3, is Dora Explorer in there? No, that's <laughs> the only one. Coco, The Incredibles oh 2, Toy Story 4, Onward, Soul, Luca, Turning Red, Lightyear, and Elemental, which just came out mm. this summer. So these are all basically kids' movies, right? It's Pixar, Pixar. Studios, Kevin. Yeah. What uh, are we talking I, about? But so you, you've been able, how many of you watched with these? I've, of these. I've seen a few of them, probably okay. more than you. <laughs> <laughs> like um, every one of them? You're telling me you've never seen Toy Story, Kevin? No. No I've, chance. I've never seen one of those shows that you've... Seriously? Not one. Why would I do that? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, why? Yeah, I'll go. <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go in on this one, Duke. Uh, I thought the originals you named were all... We're all classics. We're all really good ones. The only one that I liked, the one you said after, was Coco. I remember watching that one with I the see, kids. I, that's one I haven't seen, but I've heard it's very good. I thought that one was really good. Okay. Coco. The music was really good in that mm. one? It's just a good movie oh, overall. Where is The Lion King? That's a Disney film. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, that's I'm going to, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to go. <laughs> he likes Elton John. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Husks here. Husks just texted in and said, early Pixar is the best, no question. So there you go. I guess I have to agree. You got to agree. Um, I'm going to have to look in, look into some of these movies. <laughs> wow. Hmm. It's not your wheelhouse, eh? Yeah. Not my wheelhouse. Uh, but some good ones there, Duke. Enjoyed them again. 
<laughs> Pixar. Not uh, not much agreement today, though. With well, we me. had. I think we were. I was in on two. two the, co- yeah. the coaching thing. Forty percent. Not bad. We're in. That's not what, bad. You know, rather forty or sixty. We're never going to be a hundred. Oh boy, that was uh, that was fun though. So we're a little past the uh, ten o'clock uh, hour here, but uh, when we come back, we will check in with Craig Coach on Milwaukee Bucks coaching change with the Bucks. Uh, they play tonight. Uh, that's coming up, and more, a little more open text time. Lots of text coming in. Before that, though, time for a sports fourteen forty update, and this one is brought to you by the Snow Valley Ski Club. All runs and all lifts are open and ready for family fun seven days a week. Visit snowvalley.ca for details. Here is the Duke.